0: our exposition of Paul's more excellent way as it is uh, presented to us in most striking and lovely colors in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And having considered in verse 4, one of the negative characteristics of charity, and when we When we say that, we're not speaking of charity or love in a negative way, but rather that there is a certain perfection in the inability of love to do certain things. And it may sound rather odd that inability should be a virtue. Those who have disabilities... Doubtless, would rather not have them. But there are some disabilities which are blessed disabilities, such as, as we have uh, often considered, that God cannot lie. There is a holy inability in God to lie. and, And if it were possible for God to lie, would He not be that much less God and worthy of our praise? Well, the Apostle, as he brings uh, the the childish Corinthians to maturity, and as he calls us, as we, let us be honest with ourselves, act much more like children than grown Christian believers, let us uh, consider this more excellent way Having looked at charity envieth not, uh, next in the sequence are the following words in verse 4. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. And verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly. And we'll explain, uh, boys and girls, some of these uh, words that perhaps are not as familiar to us uh, from our version. And we consider, with God's help, love's incapacity for pride, or love's inability to be proud. All three of these these negatives, these denials concerning charity, all have this in common, that it centers around the vice of, of pride, which which love cannot endure. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Jonathan Edwards, in his masterful treatise, Charity and its Fruits, writes, Paul had just declared that charity was contrary to a spirit of envy, And now he declares that it is equally contrary to that spirit which provokes men to envy others and which they often make a pretense or apology for envying them, that is, that they are puffed up with their honors and prosperity and vaunt themselves on their possession of these things. Consider with me, dearly beloved, love's most excellent incapacity of pride— First, love is incapable of pride's boasting. Second, love is incapable of pride's self conceit. Third, love is incapable of pride's indecency. So, first, this more excellent way come, children, do not be stubborn. As the mule, as the horse which needs a a bit and a bridle to be placed in its mouth. Do not be stubborn. Do not resist. My children, says the Holy Spirit to all of his truly believing people, hear and be wise. This is the more excellent way. This is the path. First Love is incapable of pride's boasting. Charity vaunteth not itself. One might uh, have the, the image, perhaps, of the, the Olympic athlete who, uh, who <coughs> competes in the pole vaulting. He, he runs down this track with this large. A pole, very firm and yet flexible enough, elastic enough, as it were, to give him just that much momentum and leverage to hurdle his body unnaturally high above that uh, above that bar, and he lands. He he lifts himself up. Well, well, spiritually speaking, that's what we're talking about. When one vaunts himself, he, he lifts himself up. He puts himself in a high place. And that, that's contrary, contrary to the spirit of love. The Corinthians were pushing themselves forward, drowning out others making sure their voice was loud enough to be heard. Can you see my gifts? Can you see my graces? Not serving others, not taking the lowest seat, but rather rushing right to the head of the table. Charity cannot stomach this. Love is incapable, unable to engage in pride's boasting. Now, there is uh, at least some very marginal overlap, I suppose, between love and boasting, and that is both recognize the value of men and gifts, but where they very quickly part ways, is that boasting, lifting up of oneself, distorts these values by exaggerating one's own value, one's own importance and the value of her gifts, and it just eclipses others. In other words, pride's boasting is a warping, a twisting, a perverting of the sacredness of truth. Boasting often has something to point to, but it's the very eagerness to point to it, the repeatedness of pointing to it, the putting it in flashing lights The marquee is so large and and the lights, they're they're so bright. That's where love parts ways with this carnal boasting because it, it perverts the truth. It exaggerates realities and minimizes others, especially others' gifts, graces, abilities, importance. Love cannot do that. Love rejoiceth in the truth, as we shall soon see. We must, if we are indeed born again and have tasted and seen that God is good, if indeed God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given to us, We must dwell, and it is ever so natural for the new creature to dwell on whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are true. And not just whatsoever things are lovely and true in the mirror. Observe once again how very intellectual love is. Love is not driveling mindlessness. It is not simply impulse, excitement, warmth, and feeling. These things come and go, dear friends. True love, the love of God, is discerning, is thinking. Do not, as the Apostle Paul says elsewhere, think more highly of yourselves. But think modestly of yourself. Charity vaunteth not itself, it does not lift itself up. Love involves a serious and sober exercise of our minds to think. Friend, Do you love God? Do you love your neighbor? And to that end, do you think on God? And do you think on your neighbor? And these are not just passing thoughts. I only think of my neighbor in as much as they intersect my life and even more to the point as they serve my priorities. But that's distorted thinking. If that's your thinking right now, Christian, that is what has been called, not by myself in the first case, but stinking thinking. It's not Christian. It's not right. You know what repentance means in the Greek? We've said it before. No doubt you've heard it before. Metanoia, change of mind. Think of the the prodigal son. As he shakes the dust from off his sandals of his father's property and carries the inheritance which his father has earned, he's thinking of all the fun that he's going to have. But then he changed his mind. And you need to change your mind, Christian. You need to change it. If you you have allowed yourself to think more of yourself than is fitting and proper, that's not to say that you don't think of yourself. You have to. That's a part of being human. You are not to despise yourself. You are not to, to... to harm yourself or, or put yourself unnecessarily in a path that would bring harm to you or dishonor to you. But it's when you trespass. It's when you cross the line of excessive thought about yourself. And if that's the case, repent. Repent. Oh, but I did that 30 years ago. You need to repent then right now because you have vaunted yourself up even in your own thinking. The principle in you, if you are a son, if you are a daughter of God, the principle of love and of charity is even now at work in you to cast off this self promotion, this self idolatry. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself. Think soberly of yourself. Take a cold shower, Christian. Love. Quickly parts ways with boasting. Also, in that boasting fails to give credit where credit is due. There is Herod flexing his rhetorical muscles before the crowds, and they cry, The voice of a God and not of a man. Well, love, charity, on the other hand, is opposite. It gives honor to those to whom honor is due. Love gives credit to others. It praises the praiseworthy. Now, that's different from flattery. Flattery is heaping excessive compliments on somebody else, generally because you've got a, a hidden motive. but it is the duty and responsibility of superiors when they observe something commendable to praise them. Doesn't Jehovah do that with Noah, Daniel, and Job, as we have read in our consecutive reading? It's high praise from the Lord that their name should be recorded in that way. You have seen the patience of Job. And is it not the deepest longing of every true servant of God to persevere unto the end and finally to hear the commendation of the Most High, their Heavenly Father, on that day? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let us humble ourselves, parents, when we withhold the proper praise from our children it's easy to to pull out the hammer when they're out of line and it seems like they're more out of line than not at least to us we're never out of line are we parents we never blow up we never are impatient and get out of sorts but love with a sober perception of reality sees more than just the reflection of my praiseworthy virtues in the mirror, but looks past the mirror to others. Love gives credit to others, praise to the praiseworthy. And love... Charity gives all credit in the end to the source of all good, which is God. Friends, do you want to hear the heartbeat of love? Not unto us, Lord, not to us, but do thou glory take unto thy name, even for thy truth and for thy mercy's sake. This is love to give unto God. How can we be proud? How can we be lifted up if we are soberly, habitually, and actively contemplating the goodness, the patience, the fidelity of God towards us? Perhaps you've read C.S. Lewis's masterful screw tape letters. Screw tape. The, uh, the devil is giving counsel to his nephew, teaching him how to promote vainglory in his Christian patient. What he says here is that Wormwood, his, his nephew, his his understudy, must at all costs prevent his patient from thinking about The doctrine that they did not create themselves, that their talents were given them, and that they might as well be proud of the color of their hair. What do you have that you have not received? And if you have received it, why do you boast as though you had not? This is not love, this is not charity. This is not the highway of holiness. This is not pleasing to God. This is not helpful to others, and it's not helpful to yourself. You may think that preoccupation with yourself will make you happier. It will not. In fact, it will make you all the more miserable, as rightly it should. So repent and love. Further, love cannot vaunt itself, cannot lift itself up, because boasting is impatient of delay. It doesn't wait for praise, and so it engages in self-congratulation. Love, however, is most patient. Charity suffereth long and is kind. She is most modest, and she waits for praise from another source at a time that it pleases God. It waits for praise from good men in due time. Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth a stranger and not thine own lips. And charity, of course, waits for the praise of God at the last time because no other praise really counts. Second, having considered that love is incapable of pride's boasting. Second, love is incapable of pride's self-conceit. Charity is not puffed up. Now, this is uh, in the same family of vices, but there's there's a shade of difference. Self-conceit or vanity is what we are speaking about. It fails to reckon with one's relative lowness, insignificance, and even a contemptibleness. It is swollen. But love senses the weight, the reality of all three, and so is meek and retiring. How can we be puffed up? How can we be swollen with self-importance before God? Abraham, before the Lord, was but dust and ashes. How could we have swollen thoughts of ourselves when we are contemplating God? But further, this, this vanity, this self-conceit, this being puffed up and swollen is offensive because it, it is it is swollen in the presence of one's fellow man who is to be honored and regarded thought highly of but love will have nothing to do with vanity and conceitedness it sees it sees this vice for what it is. It is an unsightly and, and painful swelling of the flesh. It is a pooling of, of foul uh, matter in a festering wound. That's what this conceit is, this, this sense of self-importance. Charity, however, is not puffed up, and it cannot be. It has, the, it has the tendency uh, to, to lower itself and to think more highly of others. We think perhaps of the, the proverb that a beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a a pig with a golden ring in her snout. That's vanity. That's conceit. That's that's the kind of self-flattery that our culture is nursing in our own hearts, and our hearts are so very willing to go along with it. How much attention can I gather? How many... Compliments, how much praise. And yet it's empty. It's hollow. It's not meaningful. Well, charity will have nothing of this. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Third and last, love is incapable of pride's indecency which is another way of rendering uh, the word unseemly. It's, it's inappropriate. It's, it's unfitting. It's, it's really off-putting to anyone with decent taste. Charity doth not behave itself unseemly, indecently. Now, both love and pride perceive beauty and are put off by what they find to be ugly and offensive. But where the two part ways, where charity will not go, charity will only go down that most excellent way. And follow her, Christian. Follow her if you have been born of God. Admire her beauty. Her wisdom, Lady Wisdom, as we see her portrayed in the Proverbs, see her excellence and her virtue, and do not follow, Lady Folly. Although she is enticing the sons of men and promising fair things, don't listen to her. Turn a deaf ear to her. Follow charity. This is the way. This is the more excellent way. Charity must part ways with indecency because indecency, it has no tact. It has no self control, no restraint, no shame, no modesty. Remember how the prophet Jeremiah railed against the people of God because they could not blush. They engaged in the most offensive, ugly, off putting sins, and they had lost all ability to be ashamed. We see paraded before us, don't we? Everywhere, the most shameful, despicable, and morally nauseating things. And yet they receive praise and applause. But it's shameful. It's sickening. It's revolting. And that's what, that's what happens when love enters the heart. There are birth pangs. Indeed, there is the transition, the grievous pangs of repentance. that I have been engaged in that which is shameful. What fruit did you have? in those things, says Paul, in which you are now ashamed. Love. Love is ashamed. She is shame-faced. And that is a beautiful shame. You may say, I don't like. I don't like to be ashamed. I don't like to attract attention for anything that is ugly and, and, and offensive and off-putting. I want to be admired. I want uh, people to turn their heads and, 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 and give me that positive kind of feedback. And yet, love, charity, sees that it is beautiful to be modest. The Greek word, in fact, for this unseemliness, this indecency, involves the idea of nakedness. And who likes to be naked? But if we confess our sins, if we do not conceal them, if we do not uh, pass over them, if we present before the Lord the open wounds of our conceit and our indecency and our pride, the Lord will look upon us kindly And once that first mother repentance uh, has brought into the world that true love, that Christian love, love says no more. Nothing more that is unfitting, inappropriate, warped and the that which is uh, offensive. Charity cannot endure the shamelessness of pride, always shamelessly comparing oneself and his gifts with others, the shameless parading of superiority, the shameless contempt. For those who are considered as having lesser gifts, having lesser intrinsic value, it is heartless, it is calloused, it is cold, it is rude, it is not love, it is not Christian. And if you should have the tongues of men and of angels and have not this love, you are nothing. Perhaps you have read uh, Jane Austen's Emma. There was a certain fictional character, and yet uh, the way some of these authors portray these fictional characters, it's so close to reality, the reality of what we experience. There was a certain Miss Bates who was a rather simple, common individual, very friendly and kind, but she was rather talkative. She was chatty. To Emma, she droned on and on. Then, in the presence of others, she took a pot shot at Miss Bates' profound dullness, upon which Mr. Knightley took her aside to reprove her badly done. And ought not we, having considered the indecency of things we have done, of things we have said, ought not our consciences to sting for having badly done? And then, because of the supreme beauty of the Lord of glory, who took shame, who embraced shame, who went beyond the gates to the place of ugliness, of nakedness, of the curse. Does not the beauty of that sight strike our hearts, bring us to grief and birth from us sincere faith and love? And how can we not love? And how can we not commit ourselves to a path of restraint, of humility, of modesty, of decency, thinking of others, celebrating the beauty and the virtue and the excellence that God has very liberally scattered over his earth even after the fall. He still preserves those glimmers of beauty. Even among the heathen, we see the restraint that God has placed upon them and in many cases makes them more excellent than some so called Christians. And they are worthy of our praise, though they still desperately need a Savior. And we must not be so afraid as to point this out to them. That indeed is decency. Well, this is the more excellent way. This is the blessed inability of love. It cannot boast. It cannot be vain. It cannot be indecent. O Christian, let us have the decency to mortify our pride And it will be ugly. There will be blood. And it must be that way. If we are to bring healing, if we are to bring restoration, we must first be hard on ourselves before we are ever hard on anyone else. And having cut off the right hand and plucked out the right eye, having clean cut off each of the despicable heads of this three-headed monster of pride, we must engage and practice that love. And that's not going to be easy. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take prayer. It's going to take accountability, the accountability of the brethren. We need to be encouraged and, and helped But let us persevere. Persevere in love. Don't, don't give up. Don't be led astray into these, as John Bunyan would call them, bypaths. Don't turn aside. Stick to the narrow way, stick to the more excellent way. And in due season, you shall reap. In due season, You shall reach uh, the blessed city, the city of love, even the city of the one who has loved us, even unto the end. Amen. Let us close in prayer. Please rise. Oh, Lord, how grateful we are for this most uh, helpful counsel given by the Apostle of old. Yes, indeed, given by the Holy Spirit. And how grateful that love has been wrought in our hearts. May we cherish it. May we develop it. May we practice it. And when we lose it, may we, uh, may we remember and may we return to our first love. And we pray that faith would be made perfect by love. Help us, Lord, and bless us and encourage us. And we ask, O God, that thy help would be upon us. And remember us the rest of this Lord's day. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated.